We've got Woj. That's right. We're going to go over it all. Beal, Zion, Lillard, Hart, Kyrie, Phoenix, the draft, and something else is going to be doing for this draft that I actually think is pretty interesting on the broadcast. Uh, did a day of yoga. We'll also talk about that. Not with Woj. Life advice. Enjoy. It's the Ryan Rosillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick Bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 and older, 18 plus in D.C., and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side-by-side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN joins us this morning. We're a week out from the draft, all the free agency stuff. Uh, it's good to catch up, man. Good to see you. How are you? Well, Ryan, it's great uh, Great to see you. Great to be with you. All right. So let's uh, let's get through as much of this as we can. Uh, we know that you reported that Bradley Beal and the Wizards appear to be working on a potential trade for him uh, going somewhere else. We both know Winger you know, in charge now. Not a shock to see them kind of change course. Uh, what's the latest with Beal? Yeah, so... You know, I think since Michael Winger took over, hired Will Dawkins as his GM and get a new front office in Washington and kind of, especially with how Kuzma, Chris Saps, Porzingis, both of them having the player option, I think it's more likely Kuzma goes into free agency. Porzingis, we'll see what he does. He could opt in at a pretty big number. He could opt out, become a free agent, et cetera. It's a little bit of an inflection point, too, for what you want to do with that roster. And I think, the well, the conversation is among Beal, Winger, and the Wizards, Ted Leonsis, who he's been close to since he's got there 11 years ago, and Mark Bartlestein, his agent, is if the Wizards want to rebuild, if that's the direction Mike, Michael Winger wants to go in, does it make sense to look out there, see what might be there in the trade market? Teams are certainly interested. They've been calling to see what that would all look like. And so because he has the no trade clause, you really have to work together. And um, because trade's got to work, obviously, for both sides. So Beal gets to decide where he goes, or more more so, he gets to decide where he doesn't go. Um, He doesn't necessarily get to decide where he goes. And 
Washington has to find a deal that makes sense for them. And with four years left on that deal, they don't have to rush in. They don't have to take a deal that they don't want to. But I think the interesting part of this is going to be with a new collective bargaining agreement, that second apron, which most teams are treating a little like a hard cap. And Beal's contract is massive. You know, those it gets into the 50s. It gets into, uh, I think it hit 60, right, before it's... 57 million, yeah. yeah. So um, how does that fit for a team? Are you going to get a bunch of assets back? Are you going to get multiple firsts and a good young player? Are you going to hope to get one first-round pick back and um, treat it like you're glad to get clear the cap of the money? I think it'll probably be somewhere in between. But yeah, that's, um, so I think this is, I don't know that there's a deal imminent. I think it's going to take time. And I think it's really going to take time for teams to figure out what the asking price is and then what they want would want to give. And then is that a place Beal wants to go? This isn't an easy one. What do you think Beal wants? What I think Beal wants, what I think he's always wanted is to win in Washington. and. If Michael Winger can show him a pathway in the next year or two where he says, hey, I think we can win. I think we can be a contender if you hang in there with me. Then I think he's all in on that. If Winger tells him or is telling him, I don't see how we can do that, then it's where can I go that we can win? Because he does love D.C. He loves he's loved that market and living there. He's been connected to that community. But. You're approaching 30 years old. This team has missed the playoffs for the last five years um, without a winning record. I think even in the year they made, they got in. So I think if that's the direction the Wizards are going to go, and then I think then there's a conversation to be had on on where on where Beal might want to land. Yeah, because as you talk out the Beal. Thing. And granted, there's more money, but he's younger than Lillard, who's 33 in July. Lillard's got over 90 million on the next two. You know, you think of the stature of the players, and, and I would look at Lillard as, as a higher level than what Beal has done. But in a vacuum, you go, okay, I'd, I'd want these kinds of players. But because of the second apron stuff that we're touching on here, um, because of the age factor, maybe more so with Lillard, the length factor with Beal. Because the market, if if the public knew what the market really was for these players, would we be underwhelmed? Yeah, yeah. I think it's going to be really interesting as to, you know, people got a little conditioned last year by the Gobert deal, by the Durant deal, but it's just, it's a new CBA and it's going to look different. And I think anybody who's taking money on with players and it starts with a four and it starts with a five annually, you got to be really, really sure about, um, you know, like health and productivity and uh, because you're not going to be able to do a whole lot else among uh, with the cap. If that's your second best player, now you've got if you've got two guys in the 40s and 50s, it's going to limit you. And so. I think, listen, if you are trading for Beal or you're trading for Lillard, hypothetically, Lillard's not available. You believe you're a team that is, you're trying to get over the top. You think you're a contender. I don't think you're trading for those guys because um, you're in a rebuild. And so uh, I think how much do those teams want to give up? How much are they going to give up? 
And then you, if you're Portland, hypothetically, or Washington, you know, you get one swing at getting value back for a player of that caliber, and you just can't. Lillard doesn't have a no trade. Uh, obviously, Beal does, so he has more say on. Beal has more say on where he would or wouldn't go. But I think you're in a position where, for those franchises, you've got to maximize that deal. And sometimes it takes time for that to all play out. We're not there with Lillard now, and I don't know that it does get there. But I think for Beal, I'm not sure this would just happen in the next week. It could. But I think that they do have time on their side. And Beal's not dying to leave. He's not, he's not asked for a trade. He's not said, I want you to move me. But I think if you are Washington, you're trying to weigh everything. If we brought back Porzingis and Kuzma on deals we might like as an organization, or you know, we keep Beal, we start the season with Beal, what is it all going to look like? They don't have to uh, unravel this thing all at once. They, they have time. They just got there. Okay, you said something, I think, almost a couple different times about Lillard there that makes me feel like I want to follow up. Uh, I mean, are you saying he's not available, or is this totally... It feels like this is in a different category than at least whatever we're in with Beal right now. Is that fair? Oh, way, way different. Yeah, they're they're not talking to teams. Portland's not trying to trade Damian Lillard. Damian Lillard's not asked to be traded. I think he's around the facility every day. He's engaged with that front office and organization. Um. Listen, I think they're going to try to do everything they can here at the draft and a free agency to build around him. Certainly, there's a lot of attention at number three on, is there a big-time veteran player that they can flip the third pick for? I don't know that that player is out there for them. That pick has a lot of value. And if it's going to be Scoot Henderson, you know, can argue the fit with Damian Lillard. But if you think that's the best player, um, you know, Really talented guys can figure it out. If you're in Portland, you hope Shaden Sharp makes a big jump. And you have every reason to believe that he can do that. He showed flashes last year. He's going to be really good. You know, you're trying to re-sign Jeremy Grant. Uh, are there some other moves you can make? Now, I don't know if any of that makes them a contender. But Damon Lillard signed back up for to retool this roster around him. It's hard to do it overnight. And I think the value for Portland is in the pick. And I just don't know that there's a player out there that is available that justifies moving out the third pick in the draft, rookie-scale contract on a player you think has a chance to be maybe an all-star. Well, you better get a lot back. And I don't see it right now. I don't know that they see it out there right now. And so whether that's a disappointment to people or not, I, I don't know. But I think right now, a week out from the draft, I think they're using that third pick on a player. Okay, I have other draft questions, but I want to run through some of the other headline guys. And, and the next one in line here is Zion. Uh, he's played in 114 games since he's been drafted. And again, that's five drafts ago. Uh, 29 games this past season. Uh, the off-court stuff, it's embarrassing, and it's its certainly a conversation. I don't know that any of it would really matter. It would never factor into an evaluation of a player if you're actually healthy and playing. 
Um, he's got the contract coming up five years, $194 million on that extension. There's some clauses there, including one I saw that he has to be like under 295 pounds. Uh, you know, I just, I was looking through it this morning and I was like, okay. Uh, I think if you're a team, despite how disappointing the Zion experience has been so far for the Pelicans, that you're, and I don't even mean this specific to like Zion and New Orleans, but still somebody this young that yes, there's major concerns, but it, it, it's almost like this haunting feeling like what if we actually do trade this player despite a lot of evidence that tells you it's not getting off to a great start i i wouldn't and this is just me kind of like theorizing on it as much as all of them stuff right now is the noise is really negative about him i'd imagine there's still massive hesitation to pull the trigger on something like this i agree 100 percent, ryan i i think if you were going to trade Listen, it's hard to trade a player when maybe he's his value is a little bit of a low. Like you said, played, what, 20, 29 games last year. Um, certainly, they wish he played more. They need him available more. They need Braden Ingram available more if they're going to really contend. But unless you're getting in at two or three in the draft, and I don't think they're going to get in at two or three, and I don't know that they've offered Zion to anybody, I, I would be surprised. I would be really, really surprised if they moved off of him. Now, teams can quietly t- test the value of what a player is. Team GM president who's close with another GM and doesn't think it'll get out can make the call one-on-one. Hey, would you do player X for player Y? And I think that happens more than people know. You're seeing what the value. You're, you're seeing what the value. You're, you you might suspect what their player's value is, but you can get it confirmed by calling around a little bit. Sometimes that can get out, or sometimes I would be shocked. I'm not saying that the Pelicans have done any of that. I don't know that they have with Zion, but it does happen. That doesn't mean you're looking to trade a guy. You just want to know what he's worth. That happens all the time. I would say outside of. I don't know, six, seven, eight players in the league. It probably happens with almost everybody else at some point. But he's too talented. He's still too young. You saw in that brief period last year, they had the best record in the league, right, when he went down or close to it. He's unstoppable um, when he's on the floor. And so I think you give it at least another year or two. Um, But I don't know that right now is the time to move off of a guy when, again, if you're moving off of him, hypothetically, if I'm another team and I'm asking for another young all-star player, I'm saying to myself, they know that player better than I do. They be- they know way more than I do. And the fact that they're willing to give up on him, why should I trade for him? I think that is some of the thought. Now, different organizations are at different places in terms of risk, risk reward. And then, of course, what are they, what are you giving up for him? All that being said, listen, I won't rule anything out. You, you can't in this league, but I would still be really, really surprised if Zion Williamson is not on Char- or, uh, New Orleans opening night roster. Yeah, I like how you framed it with a surprise because I, I think that, you know, it was weird being at the combine where you're just talking to guys and you're catching up. And I'd always ask, like, hey, what do you think about Harden? And it was pretty overwhelming that so many people thought that he would leave for Houston. And there are times too, where I think you probably could relate to this. Like sometimes I'll ask like, okay, but what do you think specifically? Like what makes you think that? And then sometimes I'll think like, are all, is everyone just repeating what they heard from the guys two rows over? 
because it never feels specific. So every now and then, you know, I'll be a little annoying and be like, okay, well, what specifically makes you think that? And I, there was only one person that, that told me something that made me feel like it was specific, but I still think that that was kind of a guess. So despite whatever I think about Harden, I still think it would be a really tough look for him to go, you know what? I'm good. I'm just going to go to Houston, get my points, not contend when, you know, whatever you think of Philadelphia with Harden and Embiid and a tweak here, tweak there, it's still a good roster. It's still something that if things were to break their way, they could get to an Eastern Conference Finals, maybe beyond that. I, you know, I, I don't think any of us are watching Harden feeling like it's prime Harden. Houston has to spend the money on somebody, but I wonder how much of this message has been just leverage, hoping he can get the extra years from Philadelphia. Yeah, it's you're, you're right, Ryan. And I mean, we, I, don't know, I reported back, I guess it was Christmas, our Christmas Day show about that Houston was going to be a real factor. And it was true then, it's true now. It doesn't mean he's going to go there. But the fact was, it was on his mind. It's been on his mind. It's been a factor. Philly knows it's a possibility. And so they have to compete to keep them. And there's always a measure of leverage. Like you want to get, he wants to get the most years and the most guaranteed money he can in Philly. And he needs someone to help him do it. Now, that also means there are a lot of things that draw him back to Houston. Family there. Uh, he's just comfortable there, an ownership group, a front office that he's very comfortable with. But you're right. It's a very different career decision. And it says something about his ambitions if he were to walk away from a contender in Philly to go to a rebuild in Houston. Houston's got a lot of cap space. I think they can do, uh, they can be pretty creative with all of that and bring in some veterans and pay some guys you know, above the mid-level that they might be able to get elsewhere because of the uh, cap space they have in Houston to complement their younger guys. Uh, Ime Udoka is a coach guys really want to play for. He is well-respected among players. That's a draw for people, for players. And so is it going to be straight dollars, Ryan? Is it going to be straight dollars in years? I'm going to the team that offers me most. He's made a ton of money. There's got to be somewhere in there, if the numbers are comparable, fairly comparable, where you're making a decision on, it's it's more of a personal lifestyle decision of going home. Well, well, it's home to an extent. I mean, it's become a second home. He obviously grew up in Southern California. Or staying in Philly and trying to run this back um, with a new coach and Nick Nurse and, and a team that maybe if Joel Embiid was 100% healthy and the conference semifinals might have might have broken through. Houston has all this cap space. They've got to spend it on somebody. It reminds me a bit of like when Chicago gave out a Jabari Parker deal that was like really big annually, but it was short. And I, yeah. you know, it's not a great free agent class. If they miss out on Harden, uh, if you're a Houston fan, like I'm not even sure it was. I thought it was really revealing when Jalen Green was on with Paul George. It was like he didn't seem like he was in a hurry to be adding Harden to it because it, it feels like a team. With a lot of picks, uh, there's at least, and this is, you know, sort of something off to the side of, of some of the worst teams, where a lot of the worst teams have spent a lot of resources on really talented guys at the top the last couple of years. So there aren't a lot of rosters that are just void of any kind of foundation or at least guys that you want to continue to build and, and kind of see what you have, where if Harden were to come into Houston, it maybe derails some of the development or maybe we already know the answer to some of it. But Houston has to spend that money on somebody. And if it's not Harden, 
I wonder if they just go shorter term, bigger money stuff to kind of fill out the rest of the roster and then what that does to the other young guys that they've spent picks on. Yeah, I mean, you know, you look at Houston and it's going to be players like Dylan Brooks, like potentially Dylan Brooks, Bruce Brown could be a candidate there, Brooke Lopez. Uh, those are all among targets. Um, you know, you're going to target more people than you can sign. You can't sign them all. So, and then of course, Harden. Um, but they do have a ton of, they have a ton of cap space and they want to be improved. They want to be better. Um, you know, it's funny, you look around the league, Ryan, and last year you kind of knew going in, there were a few teams, they were not trying to be good, right? They, there were a few teams that was clear they were still very aggressively tanking. Houston, San Antonio, um, Indiana, you thought, right? Indiana, you thought, and then they got off to that really good start. And, you know, you thought in the early that they were going to dump Miles Turner and, um, and, uh, Buddy healed, maybe. Buddy healed, right? And then they kept him. And all of a sudden, they got off to this really good start. And Halliburton was just playing great. And they're like, we can't do this with this guy. This guy, like, we, you know, so whatever. So you, all of a sudden, these teams were, this year, I don't know who the one team is where you go, like, they intend to be really bad. Like, Detroit wants to be, well, Detroit wants to be much better. They may spend some money in free agency. They get Kate Cunningham back. They hired Monty Williams for a, ton of money uh in houston again like they want to they're going to spend in free agency here so uh listen there's no victor Wembenyama, obviously uh awaiting in the draft lottery you know utah last year although they were much better than anybody gave them credit for early but you thought they were even after the uh, gobert and donovan mitchell trades they were way better than we will hardy just did an unbelievable job and they had such a group that was, you know, they were in no rush to trade off all the pieces. Um, they eventually traded a bunch bunch off and they were still competitive. So this year is different. Like there's not that one team out there where you go, yeah, I think they're intentionally trying to be, they're, they're building this to be really bad. And so people are using their space. They're going to spend some money. Um, you know, in Indiana or Detroit is a threat for like, you know, maybe a big restricted free agent like a Cam Johnson, you know, does somebody throw a big offer sheet at a Cam Johnson, potentially uh, Houston, again, one of the point guards, they'll get mentioned with the point guards too, because they have cap space, even for like a Chris Paul, if they wanted to pay him more than somebody else who could pay them, one of use one of their exceptions, hypothetically, they could pay more money. So I, it makes for a different summer than we had last year. Yeah, the Chris Paul thing in itself is kind of interesting because Phoenix, um, you know, there's definitely because we've touched on the apron. Um, you could talk about Philly feeling like they might be stuck. I want to get to Kyrie with Dallas as well. But Phoenix, I, I just don't know how they would know what they were doing with Chris Paul last week. Uh, and you reported on that, that, yeah, waving him is certainly a possibility and there's different versions of waving him. But what are the options for Phoenix? And I guess I'd, it's a leading question, but I don't know how they would know what their options are until other teams, other plans fall through and then come back to Phoenix. Yeah. It, listen, if you're going to trade Chris Paul, probably a team who would then waive them, get the savings, right? You waive them and, or you don't guarantee his deal, same difference, by June 28th and you pay 15 million, you pay him 15 million instead of the 30 million is guaranteed. I guess it depends how much how many contracts you stack up to trade for him uh, because it takes probably a couple. And 
then he or he he gets waived and then he's a free agent and go play where he wants. I think the hard part for Phoenix is right now with DeAndre Ayton's market is lean and they have to be prepared that they're going to have DeAndre Ayton back. They want to be able to have their mid-level exception, the use of it. And so that's part of the thought of, of um, moving off of getting off the money they need to. Um, I, I think that what'll be interesting to me is if DeAndre Ayton back without Chris Paul, Chris Paul was such an anchor for him. I think both on the court and play that two-man game with him and then off the court. I will be curious what that all means for them without if there's no Chris Paul there, but Aiton is back and they have to prepare for the possible very likely possibility that, you know, they've gone through the marketplace and I don't think there's an obvious deal for DeAndre Ayton out there. So it's going to be interesting. They've got to build up this the rest of this roster. They've got to be creative in putting some depth and some some uh putting some depth around Durant and Booker. Okay, Kyrie Dallas. I I feel like it's a there's some similarities there to Philly and Harden where you know if you're if you're Philly and you're going, all right, do we really want to give this guy a fourth year? The answer is always going to be no. Um, but sometimes you're stuck. And you know, I personally, you know, I don't know that I'd, I'd get into the Kyrie business in the first place. But now, if you're Dallas, not that you've given up an overwhelming amount of assets, but it's hard to go back to Luca and say, "Hey, we just let him walk." Like it doesn't really make a ton of sense. There's been different rumors about landing spots, some other rumors that I don't know that I ever believed. But I, maybe "stuck" is the wrong word. But that's how I feel about Kyrie and Dallas. Yeah, I think they need each other. I think they need. You just said it, Ryan. They can't let him walk. They just can't. Not if they're going to try to continue to give Luca reason to be hopeful and they can pay him the most. He can get the years, he can get the money. And as you know, in this league, it just means you're guaranteed the money doesn't guarantee you're going to be in Dallas. And if you are Kyrie Irving, your chance to get to maximize the years and the money is with the Mavericks. And so I, I think in the end, it's just a matter of what a deal looks like, how many years it is, all the guarantees on it. But I think the two sides find their way to each other here in early July. I, I don't know that there's another place that is out there for Kyrie Irving unless Dallas gave him a lot of help to get there. And um, again, I I just think they need each other. Yeah. For now. For now. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it'd been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, do you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really, the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can Talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need. Have coverage options to protect the things you value most. File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did. And 
even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. I want to get to the draft here, but I want to ask a question about you know your role. Look, we've known each other a long time. Um, you're really one of the most powerful guys in sports media. And teams, players, agents know that. How do you balance the information part of your job with, hey, is this guy just trying to use me to get his message out there when it's not really even, it's not a report, it's just a preference? How do you do that? Well, I think, Ryan, over time, you you understand the people that you're talking, you're dealing with a lot of the same people over and over for a very long period, especially me. I've been doing this a while and you learn over time track records of people with you and and sometimes you learn lessons the hard way like very early on you go oh okay that's you know decisions i would have made in my first or second year or third year at yahoo are different than ones i make now at espn after be, having covered the league on a full-time basis for i don't know however long it's been a decade and a half so uh your judgment is you're always making judgments every day you're making a lot of judgments on information what what rises to the level of being reported what is not quite ready to be reported that's always the hardest decision you have to make what's a real conversation going on what's a cursory thing that doesn't really isn't really actionable and that's how you're always trying to measure it and being able to talk to a lot of people around a situation gives you a better sense of that than trying to base it off of one person with one agenda. So, you know, it's important. You better have relationships at all the levels. So if it's ownership, president's level, GM, coaching, player, league office, union, uh, agents, all of them together create a prism to see situations through. And looking through any one of those prisms can often be trouble. And so, um, but again, different people have different, you know, their track record. And a lot of these people that you're talking to, you're talking to every day or virtually every day or very often all year long when things are happening, when things aren't happening. And so, you know, you, you rely on your ability to, trust people, trust the information, and and then just do the best you can. Nobody's track record's perfect on it. I'm certainly not perfect, but you, you do the best you can uh, because you're going to be judged on, in the end, you'll be judged, and rightly so, on the information that you, that you report. In the Woj book years from now, I want a chapter on the top five guys I stopped listening to. <laughs> 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 you probably won't do it. You probably won't do it. I'm just, as an editor, I'm just giving you. All right, so let's uh, let's talk draft. We know with Wembanyama going number one, uh, this is special stuff. It's felt like Miller two, Scoot three, but you know, there's a couple of quicker draft questions I have here. Just, do you have a good sense of two three? 
think if it was today, it's Miller two, Scoot Henderson three. Can change. I know Scoot Henderson had a good workout in Charlotte. Uh, did have he had a, he was impressive, and I think he was impressive in Portland. But Brandon Miller, I think for most teams, if they could get up to two, it would be Brandon Miller. Um, I don't have reason to believe. Again, I don't think it's in ten yet, but in pencil, I think it's Miller, Scoot two three right now. After that. I don't know. I think it's still pretty wide open. And and I don't think that's I think it's hard to trade out of those spots, no matter who you're being offered. Um at two or three. If you think there's three potential all-stars in this draft, I mean Victor's a whole nother level. He's different level, but we we know this. Like Cam Whitmore may end up being the second best player in this draft or the third best player in this draft. History tells you. As sure as everybody seems, it's Brandon Miller, Scoot Henderson. Maybe it ends up being one of the Thompson twins. Maybe it ends up being Cam Whitmore. Because history tells you that's how it usually goes. Now, it's your job as an organization to figure out who that might be. But the consensus right now, I think, are those three, one, two, three. I didn't think I was going to ask a San Antonio question because there's not much drama to it. But, you know, when you look at Wimodyama, and obviously I'm, I'm concerned that I almost feel like he's going to have to go through an injury. You know, I, I think younger guys um, that haven't filled out enough, although reading about some of his workout and preventative stuff, I'm like, well, at least they're put together. It feels like a really good plan here. It's but fascinating I don't know that- what he's done and how he's... Jeremy Wu had a really good piece on ESPN about that. And uh, he's been so prepared for the injury, the preventative, like European... I think where a lot of the American medicine with teams, they were they started to bring in the sort of the guys with the European from Europe was the feeling was, you know, it's funny. I want to say R.C. Buford was one of the first people who described it to me as this a long time ago. So it's ironic with Victor, I guess, or coincidental that the view internationally was to be preventative, right, to be preventative with injury. And that's where you saw a lot of organizations start to to channel some of that thinking and their hiring from Europe and Victor and his team and his family, they really prepared him because that's seven foot five and that body, that's what you worry about. Uh, but he's done a lot of unique things that might give him, you, you might look at him differently than, than some others who've been injury prone at that size. Yeah. Cause even like the way I think about it, you know, cause it's, I don't, I'm not ever going like, oh, hey, I, I'm certain he's going to be hurt because the bigger guys that move a certain way, they don't have a great, great track record. But it's like, okay, look at all the Durant's injuries. And even knowing every one of those, you would still take him number one. If someone said, hey, this is what he's going to be, but he's, this is how often he's going to be hurt. And you'd be like, okay, here's the card. I'm taking him number one. So I think that's not that there's any hesitation on San Antonio's side. I think the more interesting part of it is that he's so defensively ready. He's so skilled offensively. And, you know, I like Keldon. I like Sohan a lot. Um, they need some help at the guard spot. And, you know, they, they obviously have some flexibility. But this summer, I wonder if they can they can sell this as as a competitive team a little bit earlier than we're used to with a team taking up number one pick. Yeah, I, I agree. Like, they don't have to slow. It's not their style to try to go too fast with this, but he, he's going to be really good, really fast in the league. Like, wait till he's in space. Wait till he's in all that has all that space in the NBA that he doesn't necessarily have in Europe. And 
people have to guard him in the open floor. Uh, you know, it's funny, the guy we don't talk about when you think of the comparisons, I haven't heard his name as much, Yao Ming at 7-5. And I remember doing a podcast with Yao when at a week, Hall of Fame weekend, it was in Toronto. And I was surprised at how forthcoming he was about the injuries and the caught some of the causes of them. And you look, listen, this was a player who I think if he was healthy, he would have been an MVP in the league. I really believe that he would have been an MVP. He would have had an MVP season or two. Um, but it was so different with him because of his responsibilities with the national team. I remember the Olympics in Beijing and in, he was coming off of significant leg injury in Houston. He wasn't ready to be on the floor, but he felt such an obligation to be there for the opening ceremonies and then to play against the United States in that first game for China. And he was literally dragging that leg up and down the floor. I always, one of the loudest arenas I've ever heard was Yao making like a 16, 17, 18 footer on the first trip down the court against Team USA with Kobe and Chris Paul. And I remember those guys after, like they felt the gravity of it. They knew what Yao meant to them. But he talked to me about just like, yeah, I cut my career short because of how what I had to do with the national team. And I had to play through injuries I probably shouldn't have played through. And it was a very different, Victor Wembanyama won't have any of those challenges. He'll be protected and he doesn't have those issues. It was just different for Yao. And so when we look at these other seven foot five, seven foot four guys, I understand the concern about injuries, but I also think this is a very different situation in a player who's in position to be uh, he's been prepared for it to be different, and he'll be protected in a way that um, as much as Houston wanted to protect him, they weren't allowed to because of Yao's national team responsibilities. And whenever, you know, we'll talk about the draft and you go, okay, could Orlando get aggressive here? Um, could Oklahoma City just pick their guy with all of this capital? Uh, Utah, same kind of deal. Factor in that next year, everybody's telling you 24 is going to be one of the worst drafts in recent history. Although I guarantee like the first week of June in 24, you're going to hear guys saying, you know, what? I kind of like there's some guys I like. But as like I would say two years ago, people already were telling you if they don't change the rule, the entry rule, like 24 is going to be terrible. So factor in the apron where it's like, OK, I've got all these picks like I'm not going to be able to pay all these guys. But the math, the pricing of moving up whether it were three to scoot. And if you want to give us more perspective on, on Portland there on this answer, that'd be great too. But the NFL comp of like, oh, we'll move eight and 16, like that really moves you up. In the NBA, it doesn't. And I always kind of think back to that Eddie Griffin trade of over 20 years ago with the Nets. 2001, Houston moved 13, 18, and 23 to take Eddie Griffin number seven. And when I think about that trade, I'm like, that's actually a rarity. Wait, Richard Jefferson... Jason right. Collins and the guard from Pepperdine. Um, Brandon Armstrong. Brandon Armstrong. I have a great story about that pick. You want to give it to I us? The Bergen, I was at the Bergen record. Okay. And I was a columnist at the record. And I had covered a lot of Seton Hall that year. And I knew Eddie Griffin was a very talented player, but I knew he had a lot of issues. And Rod Thorne had just taken over as the Nets GM. And I remember sitting with Rod after his press conference. And he was talking about, I made a lot of mistakes in Chicago character-wise and putting players around Michael 
that I learned I am not going to build a team that way. I just, I, I made mistakes in Chicago and I'm going to do it very differently here. And the Nets were coming off of some questionable guys. They had a, felt like they had to clean it up a little bit, a lot. And I don't, I didn't own a cell phone then. There were, I don't even, I don't know if everybody had them, but I didn't have one. And it was just different. I, again, I wasn't an NBA. I was a general columnist. I was not a, a beat. I, I, I wrote a lot about the Nets. Anyway, so they draft Eddie Griffin seventh. And I was like, oh my God. I, I write this column, just ripping Rod Thorne. And I just said, this is everything Rod said he wouldn't do. I know Eddie Griffin's talented, but he was in his backyard. He knows the issues here. Like, this is a real mistake. This is everything Rod Thorne said he wouldn't do. And all of a sudden, it was just, again, a different time. We get to later in the draft. I send the column into the paper. And all of a sudden, it was, we have a trade. And I'm like, wait, what? And the Nets had traded the pick for the three guys. And I think Houston had taken Richard Jefferson, but now he was going to, yeah, Houston and however. Right, it was the three Houston picks, right, moving Houston, up to get it. Right, right. And so, and I'm like, and I like and I thought Jefferson was a good pick. I think he'd averaged 13 points a game, but you, people were high on him and stats didn't matter. He, he was young and on a really good Arizona team. And now it looked like a pretty good pick, at least having Jefferson. And so I remember I called the paper and I'm like, you cannot run this column. You got to kill this thing. You cannot run it. And they did. It was back then you would just plug. It was called a plug. You just put an ad in there. And then I wrote a new column for the second edition. Thankfully, the column never ran in first edition. And then the second edition, I wrote, hey, this was a great trade. This was smart. They got some depth here. Eddie Griffin, this is not, there's some concerns here. And so I think Rod Thorne actually got criticized for it because people just saw Griffin's talent, especially around New York. He was the number one player in the country who went to Seton Hall. I remember going to his press conference at Roman Catholic in Philly when he announced for Seton Hall. It was huge. And, uh, the next morning, I think I went on the fan WFAN that night, talked about the trade. And the next morning, I remember Rod calling me again. It was on like a landline at home and said, Hey, thanks for, I basically, I appreciated you understanding what we did with the trade and, and being fairly supportive, something like that. Rod's a super nice guy. And I said, Rod, if you saw what I wrote about you before I knew what the actual trade was, you wouldn't be called to thank me. And I remember he said, he's, I'm not going to do my Rod Thorne impression, my West Virginia tang, but he said, he said, Adrian, if I drafted Eddie Griffin, I would have written me too. And so, and I, and I listen, rest his soul. Eddie Griffin was a talented kid and certainly some, uh, some issues. And, and I don't mean to make light of Eddie, um, but you're right. Those trades don't happen very much anymore. No, they don't. And I'll never forget, you know, again, somebody wasn't even in the media then. That was when I first thought, like, maybe I could work for a team. It was the Tate George draft pick where I was like, what are they doing? That was when I was really young. And then <laughs> Richard Jefferson, I liked him so much. I was like, why is he not going? And then, of course, you pair him with Jason Kidd and it's just it's game on. Uh, he was perfect. He was perfect to have him run along. But yeah, back to the point, like Houston packaging all of that stuff to move up. I, I think we we play this game. I guess the thing is, is it's a really hard thing to pull off because the team with the higher pick is always scared of what could come back to haunt them. But we don't know how to price it. You know, it's 
I, I've never liked the value chart in the NFL because it doesn't make any sense to me. Each year, the picks are worth something different based on the talent of the draft. So just to add up the numbers, I, I've always thought that was stupid. But in basketball, it's really hard to price it. I just wonder if some of these teams with all of this capital would decide to get really aggressive. I don't know if it's this year. Next year's draft doesn't feel like it's the fit, but just going, hey, we can't. Although then other times I've been told that Oklahoma City's looking at like quarterbacks where just keep taking one until you get it right, where they may say it's not about packaging it for the next star that doesn't want to resign here. It's not about moving up and manipulating the draft. It's not about flipping the pick year to year, Belichick style back in the day, where it always felt like he had extra draft capital because he was always willing to move down. It might just be, let's just keep drafting guys and they'll fight it out and that'll give us the best chance for a roster, but then it becomes a really difficult roster to pay for. Yeah, like you look at teams like Utah this year, 9 and 16. Can that? Where could that get them to? Could it get them to 4? Probably not. 4, 5, 6? And if all of a sudden, I mean, hypothetically, let's say they love Kim Whitmore and he's there. Same with Oklahoma City. And those are teams, not just two picks in this draft, but if you want to, shuttle picks or other assets from future drafts. That's the great thing about having, when you have all these picks, you can try to overwhelm a team. Now, Oklahoma City wanted to do it with Evan Mobley a couple of years ago and with Cleveland and Cleveland, they weren't trading out of there. Now, trading out of the top three is a lot harder to do than when you're at five or six. And so, but even then, you're right. It's still fairly rare. You're probably not going to see a team give up three first-round picks to move up, five or six. But those are really good organizations in Utah and OKC. And if they have a belief in a player, if they are sold on a guy, you know, you could see them trying to. But again, you're right. It's a little different than the NFL. You don't see it as much. But I know, Will, I think there'll be a lot of talk around all those picks. Are there some veteran players that, let's say, Houston might look at and Orlando might look at? I think Orlando, again, they could package and move up. Or they can just say, we're going to just keep taking swings at guys here. And Orlando's, is we don't talk enough about them. They're putting themselves in position to be really, really good. And they've got another chance at free agents or at the draft here to get another impact guy potentially. And then, um, you know, keep building around Bancaro now. Yeah, I think Orlando's in a really great spot because they could say, okay, we just do the opposite with 6 and 11. You know, maybe we take one of the Thompsons and, and hope they figure it out. The athletic profile is certainly there. The passing and some of the playmaking, I think, separates them from just the sick athlete who, you know, isn't, isn't the greatest shooter right now, although Asar is, is the better shooter of the two. And then maybe go safe at 11, you know, and just go, okay, yeah, we know we're getting a little crowded. That's the other thing too, is like some of these rosters, you're looking at it going like, man, I like a lot of your players, but it is getting a little crowded here. But knowing, knowing the history of it, like there's a good chance six or 11 is a complete flame out and never gets an extension. So look at it that way. Like no one would, no one would want to say that to their owner going, we're likely going to get one of these completely wrong, (laughs) but let's just, let's just do total ceiling guy and let's go safe guy and and see who wins or maybe both do yeah right and like you know as teams have these lottery picks and working out you know a player like Jared culver is going in and working out for teams he was the sixth pick in the draft not very long ago and he's trying to stay in the league trying to get back in the league um as, as a regular you know on, on a on a roster so 
there's a lot of risk, obviously. And we, you know, you're not going to hit on all these guys and going to miss on a lot that never changes. Um, you know, it's interesting. I think coming out of the COVID years where scouting was limited, uh, I, it'll be interesting to me to go back and look at kind of the couple of years that were really impacted by COVID in terms of being able to get out and see guys, bring them in for meeting workout, bring them in for workouts and interviews. Everything was zoom. Um, will the different, will there be much of a difference on hits and misses versus years where you've been able to really get up close with guys? I'm, I'm kind of, especially the top part of the draft. I'll be curious when, when Jonathan Gavoni and those guys are doing studies on that in a few years. Okay. Last thing. Uh, I love the broadcast as far as like the anticipation, you know, it's, it's seriously still my favorite day of the entire year and we do our own thing here and to watch you on the desk. And I can't even imagine the information you don't even get to, like all of this stuff is flowing in the stuff that could have happened that didn't, you know, and I don't know how much of that you can share while also trying to get the pick on Twitter before everybody else does. Does, does the, <laughs> The mechanism of like making sure you're getting the tweet out, does that take away from more that you could share with us on the broadcast? You know, I found it has. It's funny you ask that. It does and it has. And going from Yahoo to ESPN and sort of seeing what the responsibility is on the broadcast and feeling like I probably, not probably, I need to be more fully engaged in the show. It, I, it's funny you ask that. I'm not doing the picks this year. Now, I'm, now, that doesn't mean, yeah, at the top of the draft, if all of a sudden something weird's happening at two or three, yes. If a team trades up, we were talking, right? Let's say a team with two or three picks trades up and somebody's moving out of four, five, six. Yeah, you say they're, hey, they're targeting. They're moving up because they're targeting... Cam Whitmore or one of the Thompson twins, sure. But the pick by pick, I, I don't think it has value anymore for me or for ESPN. Uh, they've always let me do it um, since I came. You know, I changed the verbiage to like focused or targeting. Just couldn't say they're exactly taking him. And somebody had a funny line once. I don't know who it was. I think I, that there was like, <laughs> team, you know, TV Woj was making believe he didn't know what Twitter Woj just tweeted that, you know, somebody traded up and, hey, they're targeting Colin Sexton or whoever it was. Um, it was some truth to that, actually. Uh, but, you know, it's funny. I was talking to Malika Andrews about this, who's hosting the draft again this year for us. And she's been awesome at it. She'll, you know, she's doing it again this year, her second year. And we were talking about it. And I ran it past her. And I think she agreed. And yeah. Listen, I started this a long time ago. Uh, whatever it says on my Twitter, when I started Twitter, you know, it has the date you entered Twitter. It was the day I created the Twitter account, the day of the draft. I, guess, I think it's 2009. And it was just, I had all this information on Yahoo that I was getting in real time. And I'm like, by the time I put it up on the site, it's a vapor. It's go it, it, And I said, hey, Twitter, this is a place for it. Um, but I think now for me, it's important to stay on top of the trades and the movement and be able to do a little more storytelling of what's going on, um, what's going on on the board in real time in the draft instead of having my head buried 
trying to get, you know, New Orleans pick at 14 that obviously is going to be out momentarily on the show. So yeah, I'm not going to do it. I just, listen, you get a hundred and I don't know, four hour draft. Is it a four hour draft? You have 120 minutes. You got to decide what's the best use of that time. And I think the best use of that time is not getting the pick out right before. And you know, what's funny too. And I've learned this Twitter's a little bit more of a mess now for some re- for various reasons the last year, maybe it's just messier um, as a site, I guess, but you're you talking, wait, messy. Are you talking about the functionality? Are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It just okay. feels like it's hard to tell, you know, you get, you have your feed, but what's in your feed is not what you've signed up for. It just is a little more of a confusing place in terms of what's appearing on your feed. And it's just, it's different than it was. But what also happens is, well, at least I found happens is when you have a lot of followers on Twitter and you're, listen, the more followers you have, the more retweets you get. It's just math. And so if you're tweeting like every two minutes, for me, my screen freezes up. It'll freeze up because the amount of retweets just freezes. And so you're always sort of having to reset. You're doing it on the laptop. It's a little different. The phone, it isn't. It's a little slower typing on the phone. Anyway, there's just a lot of reasons to stay focused on the big stuff, which is the trades the deals on the board, um, what did happen, what almost happened. I think that's a better use for me at this point. And so, um, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna tweet out the picks, pick by pick. Now, again, there might be some moments where, like, there's some inflection points where you need to explain why someone's doing this. But, um, yeah, so I'm gonna approach it a little differently. Yeah, my two cents is I want to hear the stuff that almost happened. You know, I love I love that there are times you can't do it all the time. You know, I mean, the amount of stuff that goes on that you're like, oh, this almost happened. Or did you hear about this? Like if we all knew it, it's the most entertaining stuff. But there's also, you know, a line of journalism integrity, you know, like that you have to you can't be sharing everything just because you heard it. Uh, but the stuff that you can share in the broadcast, I do think that that's more interesting than at this point. I think we're desensitized to, ooh, the pick is out. The pick is out. You know, yeah. I just. It's it's not the same, man. It was unbelievable. It was like crack in the beginning. You're like, I can't believe I'm getting this now. Uh, and I, I wonder if people will listen to this. I wonder if they'll believe you because I think there was always this feeling. They were like, oh, does this mean ESPN finally got to him and, and got him to stop because the value of the broadcast is to have the pick. And if he's beating the broadcast and all this, I mean, look, I know you. I know the deal. I I would be shocked um, if you weren't allowed to kind of do what you want to do. I just... I wonder how many people are actually going to believe you after they hear you yeah, say this. I mean, I'm on my, let's see, I've been here, will be my fifth draft at ESPN or my sixth. This is my, I've been here, I came in 2017, July 1, so I didn't do that draft. So, yeah, I, again, there was a little change. Again, the verbiage was a little different, but you got the point. I mean, if I put the name out ahead of a team who was about yeah. to draft, whatever I said before the name didn't really matter. You knew I'm telling you this is what they're going to do. Uh, I get it. I understand people. Uh, they're allowed to believe and think what they like. But yeah, for me, I've got to make a decision, I think, based on. And I should have done it last year, the year before. And it's this kind of thing where people expected. And so you kind of keep doing it. But you've always, you know this, Ryan, 
these jobs evolve and your role evolves. And you've always got to be thinking, just because I've always done it, does that still make it the best thing to do? Is that what's right for me? Is that what's right for ESPN? And I can't honestly tell myself that it is. And again, there's just a better way to use my time and gather information and share it on the show than to be engulfed in um, just tweeting it out moments before. You know, sometimes it's a little further ahead. Sometimes it isn't. Um, sometimes you don't get it in time and you see the commissioner walking up to the stage and you go, yeah, I just got it, but it's going to look, it's going to look, it may not land on Twitter until after he said it, then it looks like I took it off the stage and I don't want it to look like that because whatever. And you just, it's again, not a great, not my best use of time. Well, I appreciate your time on what I know is a busy week leading up to all yeah. this stuff. Looking forward to the draft and make sure you check out the Woj pod, a really good conversation with Wizards owner, Ted Leonsis, uh, some, some good stuff in the most recent episode. So thanks as always, man. We'll catch up soon. Ryan, uh, always a pleasure to be on with you, man. Apple Card is the perfect cash back rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co forward slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari. 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. Life advice. Get your emails in lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. We'll probably do a couple all life advice episodes. So, uh, you know, we'll start start sifting through. There's, there's some Code few left. Ryan's there. taking time off, right? <laughs> yeah, I hope so at some point. I'm still trying to map out the plan. Do me a favor. Try to line that up with Bill so I could just fuck off. It's Rudy, too. Well, Bill's taking five weeks off or something right yeah i don't the problem is I, I don't know that i well whatever do you want to talk about our vacation schedule hey that was the best part the woke stuff was good but when you guys started talking about vacation <laughs> yeah schedules, that's what I, I feel was. like the most i could hope for you is two weeks and that seems like you'd be getting a little antsy but that'd be great if you could find two weeks in bill's no weeks, I, god i be, have i have more time built up than that it's just uh would you actually do it is the question <laughs> I just don't want it, the pod to go dark for a month. I just don't. For me, I, no, I think we've been Bill talking to Allison. It. We've got. I don't some, think I can. 
we've got some authors. I think we're going to do a little book, more book club stuff. We've got something we're brewing with, uh, you know, one of those potential. We ask a bunch of guests a question and we, we piece that together. It's yeah, funny because I was, it's funny. The salespeople were asking me like about your vacation schedule recently. And I was just like, I know he's probably going to take two weeks off somewhere, but I'm probably not going to find out until a week before. And he's like, oh yeah, I just booked my trip to Mykonos two weeks. There you go. <laughs> and it'll be on like five days notice. I'm like, guys, just be ready. This is what's going to happen. And it's fine. It is what it is, but we'll be ready. Yeah. The Switzer, the Switzerland one was like all time me. I was booked for France and then there was some COVID stuff that was happening where I was like, eh, I might get stuck in a town. Like seriously, I, you know, I don't think it was like clickbaity. Like if you go to Nice, be prepared to never leave, you know, but it was, it was weird. And so then it was, I think that was a Sunday and I was supposed to fly out Monday and I was like, I'm not doing it. And they were like, you just planned this whole thing out. What are you doing? And plan is loose definition of the term plan with me. And so then I got even more pissed after I canceled it. I was like, are you seriously going to do this? What the fuck? Go somewhere. And then I looked, I was like, you know what, Switzerland, it's on. And it looked like it was pretty laxed in comparison to some of the other places. And so I just booked an afternoon flight to... Uh, Zurich? Just Bern? Uh, Zurich, Bern, Bern. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. no, 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 no. I did go to Bern, but no, I, I, you're right. I flew into Zurich. Um, and that was its own COVID adventure getting out of there. Because they were like, no, wait, you have to do this to do this to even get out. And that was after I'd already been to Lucerne. I'd been to Basel. I went to Bern. I I trained through. I mean, so fucking awesome traveling through Switzerland because you land at the airport and then you just go like, which towns do I want to go to? And you grab your bag and you're at the train. It's so awesome. And then as you're rolling through Switzerland, you, you kind of want to be like, maybe I check out this town and play darts and have a couple pints, you know. And then you're <laughs> like, like all right, but yeah, but then when I was like, wait do? a second, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So I I hit up the bigger cities and it was cool. Nothing was better than Luzerne, uh, and. Zurich, when I came back through, it was so rainy and shitty. And then I had like one of those 3 a.m., 4 a.m. wake up deals. So you're just like, all right, you know, that you're not going to do anything tonight. And Sunday in Zurich is very, it felt very traditional. Like the restaurants were open and stuff despite the weather, but it was, uh, everything was closed. Every store, everything was closed. But it was still like in the weird, how do I get out of here COVID thing? And then when I went to the hotel, I was like, I've, I had researched it to make sure I get the quick test. And they were like, no, no, you're outside of the window, right? You're outside of the window. You're not going to be able to leave. You're going to have to leave another day. And I was like, that's not going to happen. I'm like, I have to get out of here. And so I'm you're taking it. Damn it. <laughs> no. <laughs> <boat or something. laughs> right. But I, I had asked around, like I kept asking, hey, if the requirements change, what's going on? Because that's what traveling was like back then, especially internationally. And again, every place was different, which is why. But the funny thing about the first flight from LA to Zurich is that I actually got to the L I got to LAX, the international terminal, and I stopped to get something to eat. And then I didn't realize how far the gate was. Like there's some gates that are so far away from like the main concourse area. And so they started calling my name and I'm like, uh oh. And then I look on my phone and it's like, are you not an athlete? It's a 12 minute walk. And then the iPhone hasn't updated for athletes. And I was like, all right, it's not going to take me 12 minutes. <laughs> and then uh, I'm walking through, I'm, I'm not running because the least cool human beings have ever looked throughout time is running in an airport. No one's ever looked cool doing it. Maybe OJ, but it's kind of tough to compliment him. Uh, I, I was actually like going, you're not going to make the flight. 
like you're minutes away from either going to Switzerland or going back to your couch. <laughs> and I was just like, whatever, like maybe I'll go to Spain tomorrow instead. Yeah. Like I was like, whatever. So yeah, to Sarudi's point, it sort of sucks because uh, I never quite know what I'm doing until the very last minute. And then honestly, on the way back, the whole Switzerland thing is just a money grab. It was The whole thing was a joke. It's like, well, no, if you want to get out of tomorrow, you have to do express testing. <laughs> like, what is that? Like get an extra fucking Kleenex? Like, you know, express testing is this and this one is this and then you're not going to be able to get through it. I showed up. It was place was empty, tested, boom, here's your thing. You're good to go back on the flight. But uh, yeah, wild times, wild times back in the day. So two weeks, huh? We'll get two weeks. <laughs> well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bounce. I won't be live, I would imagine, for multiple weeks, but we'll have shows banked and then we'll see what happens. Kyle, I think there's a killer behind you in the window. There's my whole family's on this porch oh, and they're okay. just like, it's right. our favorite place to be. We don't care that you're working down here. My brother's shirtless <laughs> walking around. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Speaking of shirtless, did yoga. They, they make you keep your shirt on. Uh, for the one that I went to, I did not do hot yoga. I mentioned it briefly on Tuesday. Uh, and yeah, I, I can't, we'll see how it goes. I'm going to go, you know, probably 10 times. I can't go next week. You bought a pass because we're doing, I didn't buy a pass. Shout out to Soho yoga though. in Hermosa beach right near the pier, our instructor, Anastasia, great energy. And I'm not just saying that in a yoga way. Uh, I think Richard Jefferson has a piece of that one. So you know, we're keeping it in the NBA family too, on top of everything else. But yeah, I just said, fuck it. My back is just after basketball. I'm like, you're not going to peek out here. If this is how you're playing after two games. And I just said, all right, enough of this. I should have done it years ago. I should have done it years ago. And even after just one session, I was walking around light as a feather 20 minutes later. I've literally never seen you happier. I think you called me and you were just so pumped about life and i'm like this is like a new ryan like yoga ryan is it's just like he's relaxed he's he's fun he's making he's cracking jokes but no i mean i i love it for you because you know it's one of those things where i know how good yoga is my wife does yoga uh, a lot and i'm just like really intimidated because i'm so not flexible that i don't i don't want to go and i'm embar- i'm afraid to embarrass myself in front of these other people but i do know that if you go it's probably awesome and it's really fucking good for you so i'm happy for you man yeah, maybe we're a yoga pod. We branch off into that. So is anybody doing yoga, health, wellness, and all that kind of stuff, like <laughs> mental health focus? Is anybody in that space? Because that might be a lane to get into yeah, content. Definitely. Uh, Especially on Instagram. Yeah, that's the thing. Is is you walk in, you you're you know, none of us like going, hey, it's new. I mean, it sucks that we all have that hesitation about so many different things where it's like, oh, I want to do this, but I kind of don't want to because I'm going to be terrible at it. I mean, I've done that plenty of times. Like I'm starting to golf again. And the reason I didn't do it forever is because I knew I was going to suck forever. And then, you know, uh, I'm I'm certainly frustrated with a couple of things, but I feel pretty good in the first couple of rounds out. But I'm like, that's it. I'm I'm not going to watch these because I'll look, I'll look at some dudes and be like, this guy's a single handicap. Like, come on. All right. Like, just get out there and play. The surfing thing has definitely been the most frustrating thing. Oh, surfing's so fucking hard. Especially where I am. And I'm, it's, I thought I was going to be like a t- local legend at this stage of my life, but I, well, now not. that your boys are Kelly Slater, I mean, you got an in to kind of, well, I'm supposed out. to go off to that surf ranch, but it just depends on when I'm taking the time off. So, okay. All right. So, wait, wait, I real think quick. <laughs> were you, were the only, were you the only dude in there? How many guys were in there? Uh, it was two women, uh, two men. And oh, then okay. female instructor. It was great. It was great for me. Honestly, like I said, what do you have that's beginner to beginner? Like I want intro to intro. I want, I want before the syllabus, whatever the cover sheet is, that's the level of yoga Early that I birds. want to be doing. <laughs> it's right. Old folks special. And I think she just said like, oh, we have this new thing. 
And I get like we were in it. I was reaching back, grabbing one leg, balancing on the other. Uh, I was sweating like a crazy person 15 minutes into it. My knees hurt so bad because they just were like on the ground. And then I even had a little tricep thing where I was like, whoa, what's going on? Like the tricep are pretty good. Now they're getting burned out a bit. So maybe there's some muscle endurance issues there. But it was very relaxing. It, you know, if you can't, if you don't know what to do or you're not nailing the move, do a lesser version of whatever the instructor is doing. You know, nobody's going, hey, dickhead, humble your warrior better. Right. <laughs> nobody's, nobody's saying that. It's a very accepting place. So yeah, one session in. I think I, there was other reasons I called Saruti other than just, Hey, I mean, I call you a lot, buddy, but I don't know that I was like, Hey, I did yoga and it's the only thing I want to talk about. So I'll, it was I'll a big chunk of the conversation though. And I was, again, I was not, I was not mad about it. I was very happy. Are you going to, are you going to buy a namaste t-shirt? Maybe spiritual gangster. Mm. That seems pretty cool. Yeah. It's a good one. Not a lot of people yeah. have that. Get in early. You get to see people. That's great. I like it. Maybe go out for some kombucha later. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I'll make any yoga buddies. But yeah, it wasn't. I was definitely like, what am I rolling into? Where do I put my mat? What's the protocol with that? Like, is it six inches? You know, what's what's Whoa. the deal? Is it going to be Mesquamic at Beach where it's blanket touching blanket? You know, where there's just no extra space? You know, what's going on as far as the music? Like, how... And I would say it didn't feel intro to me. It was hard. I sweat, but it was probably the best stretching that I've ever done in my life, which is saying something considering all the other shit that I've, I've put my body through. So there's your yoga update. I love it. Anybody else in? Kyle, can I get your pass? I get you that for your wedding gift? You know, I'd probably, I mean, I'm still terrified with the golf thing. Like I, I'm to the point where I haven't, I'm not even keeping score. I'm just picking up balls and dropping it because, you know, I see like, bunch of like old dudes just like with their hands on their hips and i'm like i'm not going to be the one they're mad at so uh i mean i haven't even gotten to the point where i'm keeping score i'm just keeping track of the balls so uh i think yoga is something i could probably you know youtube on the big tv and see if i can get a uh at least a basic grasp before i show up in a room full of folks so that's fair. um yeah and i don't know like yoga pants is that really all you do nobody's doing like loose shorts right that could that could get crazy right if you got loose shorts doing some oh. some of those yeah, probably I mean, gonna need a compression you just there. Some yeah. Legends compressions or something. Yeah, I didn't go compression yoga deal. I I wore some pants over the pants. Thing. Okay. Yeah. Right. Then, this shouldn't uh, be surprising though, but a good man legging is actually an awesome. It's it's very comfortable. Uh, I've only got one pair, but got some weird looks. But it's it's fun. I enjoy it. Throw a pair of shorts over those. I'll follow up it. with that. I'll, I'll start looking around. <laughs> Chalamet checking in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> all right. Again, the email address here is lifeadvicer at gmail.com. Okay. Uh, this one, I think, yeah, whatever. I, some of these are, they've been covered, but we'll hit, hit it again. 62195, 290 bench, 315 front squat, athleticism declining fast. Sounds like somebody needs some yoga. 39 year old, slow starter who overindulged in the bartending life throughout my. 20s and early 30s before maturing into a successful legal career. All of my friends have moved into the get married, have kids stage of life. While I've remained a bachelor, I've had several serious relationships over the years that all ended with some sort of self-sabotage. Uh, I've always enjoyed the single life, but as I approach 40, I'm starting to look around and wonder whether I'm missing out. I never thought I'd stay single and I'm confident I could still find someone interested in that type of relationship, but I'm not sure I'm cut out for it. On the other hand, I don't want to wait too long and risk missing out. Ryan, 
What is your perspective on this? <laughs> Did you, do you experience these types of thoughts? Are they transient or should I expect them to continue? Love the pod. Uh, I feel like I've covered some of this stuff before, especially when we talked about like not being a parent and all that kind of stuff. So I'm not going to do that again. But I do think that we all kind of default to what we want and what we like. So yeah, like Van Lathan came over one night, we we're watching football and he was looking at my place and he was kind of like laughing. And uh, his his girl was like, when's the game over? You know, like that kind of stuff. And, and we were chuckling a bit and he's like, you don't ever deal with that, do you? And I was like, yeah, I don't know. I think I just kind of landed on I'd rather be alone than annoyed. And he was like, you need to trademark it that, like trademark that. And I was like, whatever, I, you know. So whatever thoughts I have about my deal or anybody that's out there, uh, I guess I ultimately still end up doing what I want to do. And I would ask anybody that's, you know, entering their 40s, and I'd say the good thing is, that, like, if you have friends that are already established that are married and whatever, and it can get a little weird. Like, yeah, like when I go visit my buddies and stuff, and they've got all these kids, like I get super into the kid thing. I bring gifts. I like want to hang out with them. Like I'll even watch them. And then the couple will, like bounce. And they're like, you sure you're good with this? I'm like, yeah, I'm like actually kind of fired up to do it. And then I, you know, I just, I do really like kids and that kind of stuff. But your friends are definitely going to be like, oh, he's filling that void by like coming over and being like super uncle, you know? Mm. And so whatever. Well, you I mean, could do whatever you want as long as you clock out. There's nothing like clocking out after a, a six-hour yeah. kid shift, and you're like, "All right, good luck. See you guys uh, after yeah. your next birthday." That's for me. You could you could be as into that as you want. I love that. I, yeah, I mean, right. my buddy's kids. I was like, I mean, I didn't do it, but I was like, I want to start like a bank account for them. Try to get them into, <laughs> throw some college money when they're 18. But that's crazy. But just only because I mean, I love I love so much. I'm like a you know one of those fake uncles. But I mean. But that's how jazz you can get when you know you can just clock out. I didn't do that, by the way. Don't don't have that much extra floating around. But it's just you, you start you start to you start to think of how like I see what you mean by getting so jazz because it. when you when you when the yeah. clock out is when you know you're done soon. It's you, you know you do some pretty I, cool shit. I think for anybody that's going through that, you have to be like really really honest with yourself and ask yourself like why past relationships have led you to this point. Um, for me, it wasn't even so much about like, oh, that didn't work out. That didn't work out. So I'm going to do this. Um, I, you know, some have argued I've become like, like too awesome. Right. <laughs> like, you know, like he's, he's got to make sure he picks the right person because he's such a catch. People are saying that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's. There's been it's just hard being so hot right, and so right, good. right, Most right, bachelor at Manhattan Beach, right? Yeah, right. Have you seen his place and his arms? Like, he yeah. better mm-hmm. be careful about who he picks because you know, hangs out with the king up. sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I would, I would put the emphasis on sometimes. So, <laughs> uh, I just, I, I look, here's the thing is, is I don't know how long it kind of depends on how much you are in your own head. I don't know that they go away. You know, I don't, I don't know if there'll be this arc for a few years. I think it's on the person where you're going to start. I, my guess would be you're, if you're starting to think about it now, you're going to start thinking about it more. And then you're going to start like doing the math in your head and you're going to start like thinking about stuff. And then you're going to be like, all right, how old? Like I remember Van Pelt one time, he was like, you know, I just didn't want to be a hundred out back trying to throw a baseball. Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's, that's actually, it can sound silly, but that's like a really good part of the math on all this. And then I imagine 
it's it's likely a circle of events where then you're just kind of like, all right, whatever. Like this is this is my deal. And what you have to probably ask yourself is like what you're actually willing to do. Like what is your relationship compromise? And for me, it always had to have been something where that other person has something that's so important to them that it it fills the void of me not being about the relationship every single day and then ultimately a family and all that kind of stuff. So I think those are the things, you know, I don't know how honest we all can be about these things with ourselves. And yeah, I'll admit, like some days I'll be like, you serious, dude? And then I'm like, yeah, I guess I am. And then that's it. Like it's a fleeting thing in my head and then it's kind of gone. But if it starts to become obsessive, then maybe you give it another shot there. Um, it is a very, as I mentioned on the part of my take life advice thing that we did, you know, kind of a special as PFT was, was, um, honoring his father passing. So we, we did kind of an evergreen one with the tape weeks ago. Uh, you, you definitely have to like ask yourself some really, really hard questions and you might be making a mistake. You know, you could be making a mistake. You, you, you can pretend you'll be able to predict exactly how you'll feel at an older age but it's going to be kind of hard until you're actually in the situation. If you're by yourself, you don't have a family and then everybody else is married. And then you're like 50 something. And then you're like, okay, what are you doing now? Like I already have my boat license. So I don't even know. What's next? Yeah. Yeah. Like I kind of pilot. I don't really got, I've got the fifties covered. I don't think the pilot thing, uh, I did one lesson and they, they fucked with me pretty good with it which I didn't love, but I kind of did because it gave me like the full scope of it. I just, I don't know if I would ever actually be comfortable enough. Probably would be if I did it enough. Like if I Motorcycle? did hours with somebody else. No, everybody Volunteer that fireman, I know. Start hanging around the firehouse. Everybody loves a fireman. I think it would be like a youth basketball coach in an underserved ah, area of the country. Yeah. Perfect. Right. I, I think I would try to do something where it was, you know, uh, an area of the country where kids are not given the resources that they need and just volunteer something like that. But I don't know. I mean, I'm saying it and I might be like, no, nah, you're just going to watch wizards game. Does any girls Wizards. listen to this podcast? I mean, come on. No, <laughs> it just no, no, got no. better. We I'm kidding. We don't, we don't need that. We don't need that. Okay. <laughs> Anything else to add to that? I mean, I, I'm trying not to make that one a bummed out thing, but I'm, I'm just trying to like throw the widest net at the topic in that really it's kind of up to you. But like the thing you have to figure out is, am I doing what I actually prefer or am I taking too long to get in a situation that I'm actually going to like way better? That I'll look at my current situation and I'll be with somebody and be like, oh my God, I can't believe I did that. And I think it's a really hard answer to be honest about with yourself. Yeah, this was directed squarely at you. So I'm not going to try to say yeah. anything. All I know is, you know, a lot of folks are on their second marriage at 45, 50, but just nothing. I mean, it's done. It's not like, wow, that's weird. They're getting married. Oh, let, let me, uh, let me so. ask you guys, like, what do you think you would be like, Kyle, if, if you were by yourself? I don't know. Uh, I'd probably be, I'd probably have a lot more friends staying out a lot later. Um, I'd probably be awesome. I think, um, you'd be more awesome. <laughs> I'd be more awesome. Yeah, I think so. Um, well, listen to Kyle. So party. Yeah. The age, the age gap between you and I, we're answering two completely different questions. Yes. So I probably shouldn't even ask you. And the same thing with Saruti. Like you guys are so much younger than me that, um, like Saruti, did you think you would get married? Were you in your twenties being like, I expect yeah. to be married and I want to have a family. Yeah, I grew up in like a town. So I, I had a girl. I dated a girl for like six years in high school into college. And whoa, it was weird because it was like the first it was like the first girl I ever 
you know, was with that I really liked. I thought I was in love. And I was like, oh, this is it. Like, we're good. Like, 21, we'll get married. I have a couple kids, but 25. I'm like, I don't, that's, just kind of, that's just kind of what you think about. And that would have been... SEC Steve over that, here. That would have been a horrible decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I but I do think about it. because so, so, like, we ended... I think we ended up, like, fully breaking up maybe my sophomore year of college. And... So wait, we're that, talking fourteen to twenty. Yeah, on and off, on and off. Son of a bitch. And she and she didn't go to the same school as me, so that that kind of got complicated. But honestly, it, 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 we weren't even really that compatible. Great girl, we just weren't compatible. It's fine. But it was uh, your first experience, so you didn't know that you weren't but compatible I, yet. And it, and it's weird totally. when you're young too. You're like horrified to lose that comfort totally. level with that other person, man. Like I remember having one of those where I think I was 20, I was breaking up with somebody and I was like, oh my God, it's never going to be the same. I'm never going to be like, I'm never going to have this comfort level. And you're just too young to realize how stupid that is. So I rem- yeah, I remember just being like, all right, cool. Like I figured I'm going to get married. This is, this is what's going to happen. And you know, then I went to college and I don't know, I just, you just kind of like, it's like an awakening, I guess, of, 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 of things. And you know, we broke up and then I started doing stuff career-wise. I did some internships. I went to DC for a bit. Like I knew I wanted to get into sports kind of thing. I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And my, and I look back now and I'm like, my life would be so different. Like I would not have, I would not have worked at ESPN. I wouldn't be here with you guys right now if this happened because like I would have just kind of settled down faster, but it took me a while to kind of figure that out. So the kid would be 15. Yeah, exactly. I'd be like going to like almost high school graduations here, which is incredibly strange. Um, so I just say that to say like, I, you know, I, things like periods in your life are very different. I, you think that you want something and you don't. Now, as, as you get older, like obviously you have less time and you're like, hey, I, I, all my, if, you know, there's all this peer pressure and all your friends are, are married having kids, then it's on you too. But I, I, you know, at the end of the day, it's like as what you said, like what's going to make you happy? Are you going to be bummed for the rest of your life? Like, you know, I don't think you just get married to get married or find somebody just, to, I, I, I wouldn't say that's a good call because as Kyle said, that's probably how you end up in getting divorced in your forties. But, um, I don't know, like if it's a real, if it's a real priority to you and you know that you're going to be bummed the rest of your life, if you don't find somebody, then, you know, get on the apps and start doing your thing. I'm, I'm sure you are doing that, but, um, I don't know. It's a difficult, it's a difficult question, I guess. Don't married friends always want to set you up too? like, if you got a bunch of married friends, aren't they like, I mean, I'm not sure if that's how I think there's something cool about meeting somebody that old fashioned married not friends on don't. the abs. They're lo- no, no, no. Well, like, you, I'll, meet a, you're a little... I'll, I'll, I'll meet a new couple and then the wife will be like, wait, like I have somebody for him. And then the guy will be like, don't do now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Trust me. Don't even bother. <laughs> it's basketball season. Don't do this. Let's wait until August. I've said straight up. I'm like, I'm just going to get in front of this and pre favor you. I'm just going to <laughs> do you the favor by not having you in three months. Have you have to be on the call with your friend being like, what is this fucking guy's deal? Uh, so, you know what? I think there's one little small part to this that I, I we've already spent a lot of time on this, but I, I think it's, you know, at least because there's a diff- bunch of different ways you can go with this. The finality of being older, of thinking like the next person you meet and it's like, all right, I guess this is it. Like it makes it, you can make it harder on yourself, harder than it certainly needs to be. Like what's wrong with, I don't know, dating and then figuring it out, you know, the way you do when you're younger, but whether it's the pressure you're putting on yourself, the pressure, maybe the other person would be putting on you, the collective pressure of the age and wondering, and then the clocks and all that kind of stuff where you can make the next relationship decision that you're about to enter. You can make it a way bigger deal than it needs to be. Um, and it is a little tougher than the age thing. Cause you know, the people are going to be like, look, I'm not here to like waste time. You know, I'm not here to just fuck around. Like I was when I was a little bit younger. Start hanging out so with 30 that, year olds, right? That's the answer. Yeah. Or, or you could do that, but like, there's nothing wrong with just deciding like, 
hey, maybe I'll get in a relationship and I'll get the answer that it seems like you're seeking. Maybe you'll be in another relationship going, okay, I guess this really isn't for me. And that'll mean a different version of events that are cool because of the freedom, but they're not all cool because you're going to miss out on a lot of the really cool shit in life. The selflessness of, of having a family and, and thinking about other people, which I think is it's another one of the benefits that's overlooked when you know parents are freaking out about their kids driving them crazy the whole time. And then the teenage years where they all of a sudden decide that you're the worst, but, uh, or you could be like, you know, I'm glad I, I'm glad I did this. Like you, if, when you're older, you shouldn't go into these relationships with this idea that this is like the last stage of the video game. But unfortunately, I think we do that way too often. Well, the other thing too, I think is that, and I, 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 this isn't directed at you specifically, Ryan, but I I have have some friends who are, you know, in their late thirties, forties who are single. And I think it's like they see the relationship with their friends and like, you know, a lot of them are like good marriages and relationships. Right. And so in their head, they're always trying to look for the perfect person and every little flaw is then like, oh, I can't marry it. Like they just start crossing people off and not to say that you should settle, but like not every not every, you know, couple is perfect, you know, and I think you sometimes what is it good is the enemy or perfect is the enemy of good. Right. I think sometimes like people get in their heads way too much about they I have to find the perfect person. And that's just that's whether you're young or old. That's not even always true. So sometimes I think people get in their heads too much. So don't let that I would just say don't let that happen. You like, you know, obviously the pressure is going to be there. The timeline is there. But just date people. I don't know. Try to if you if you really want to find somebody and you really want to find a long term partner, then you have to take the first step. You got to start dating somebody. You got to find somebody. You got to put yourself out there. So do that. Don't get in your head about the timeline of it. And I think things will kind of take care of themselves. Right. Or at least find the answer to the original question of like, how is this going to feel? Well, you, you're not going to know unless you try it again. But as far as the other part, like, does it become like as you enter your 40s, you're going to start kind of thinking about it a little bit more. You just are. Even if it's not your preference, you're going to start thinking about it a little bit more. But it also depends on how you're wired and maybe it's fleeting and maybe you kind of cycle it out or maybe it gets worse and haunts you and you're going to be 55 at Bertucci's. So there you go. <laughs> Nothing wrong. Again, with yes. Was I at Bertucci's once when I saw this old guy eating by himself and it was super depressing? Yes, I did. And that's why I bring it up all the time. All right. Speaking of depressing, uh, our guy followed up whose girlfriend dumped him, but he's still living with the mom. Uh, we'll make it quick because it's a follow-up. It's 100% real, unfortunately, because I'd be hanging everyone with a drop lease. Her dad has already been on me about paying up. Oh, geez. The dad is involved? Wait, why does he, why does he, not, live, is, why does he not live with them? Man? Yeah. Just, How about the dad? Because maybe the mom fucked him over. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and why does he care? Though? Why is he, <laughs> This I is mean, a second-generation <laughs> scheme. Uh, he says caps, but her dad doesn't know she's moving out either. So it's all just built lo- on lies at this point. I probably let her walk all over me for too long. So I think that's how I got in the situation. Thanks for admitting she's a shitty person who needs to get bleeped. LOL. <laughs> it honestly uh, helps to hear another opinion. The mom never liked me from day one has always been a bit of a, let's say, witch. But my ex was never like her until all of this happened. But her complaints for me or but her complaints with me for context that I wasn't as romantic as she'd like lack of pet names. Mm. Dude, just buy a thesaurus. Uh, getting flowers. <laughs> so once another guy started calling her pet names and the flowers, she was out. Hey, happened to me once too. You know, everybody's like a really good partner when they're pursuing somebody. It's like heavyweight fighting, you know, when you have the belt, a little harder to keep it. Uh, appreciate the read. By the way, she's taking all the dogs that I've had for six years with her also. Dude, travel light, my friend. I mean, whatever. Travel light. Yeah. This guy. 
This poor guy. Yeah. Hold on. Right. They're, they're his dogs that she's taking? Yeah, she's taking his dogs, too. <laughs> what you think doing? you let her walk all over you a little bit, buddy? I mean, look, we're not, we're not trying to... I know what happened here, because you referenced it in the first one, right? She's hot. She is really hot to you. And what happens when you know that other person is like, when you think somebody's kind of at your level, you're yourself pretty quickly. It's like Mangini, <laughs> right? Like Mangini was in his first head coaching job. Like he was, no, he was dating a hot girl, right? Because all of a sudden you're like, wait, what's this Belichick impression? And I didn't like Mangini at all. And I didn't know him. I was like, this is a joke. You'd be kidding me. And then he got another job. I was like, why are you hiring this guy? The second I got to know Mangini, I was like, okay, not only is he awesome at the football stuff, he's like a really good dude. And I, once I got to know him, I completely liked him. But what Mangini did is what a lot of us do is that if we're dating somebody that we know is just way hotter than us, you Mangini it in the beginning. You pretend you're going to be something that you're not. And then it's like really stressful. And then you kind of expose yourself. And then that could be why it breaks up. Or she could be like, I can date somebody hotter than this dude. But when you're with somebody who's kind of at your level, right? You just yourself. Same thing with coaching. You just yourself. And if you're yourself, it's a little bit easier, you know, break the other person in and you're on your your stuff, um, you don't have as much pressure on yourself because you're not at risk at losing it as much as you are with the person you think is completely out of your league. So I know what happened, man. It makes you feel better. She is attractive. Uh, for you, you had said, you know, it's kind of beyond what you've done before. So you ended up doing stuff you wouldn't normally do. You weren't yourself. And even that wasn't good enough. And so, look, the dog kidnapping on top of everything else, like, just you got to remove yourself from this family dynamic as as painless as you possibly can. and. You know, it's a bit like retail therapy, right? All of us can tell you what to do. Like I can tell you don't buy something to feel better, but I'm also not the one who gets to pick out the thing, put it in the car, order it, check the tracking. And then when it shows up, you open it and there's this dopamine rush of like, cool, I bought a thing. And more often than not, a month later, you're like, why did I buy that again? But when somebody says don't do that, well, it's easy for them because they're not getting to experience all those levels of temporary uh, pleasure. So for all of us to tell you, get out of there, get out of there, get out of there. There was something at one point that was worth it to you. What we're telling you is that it's going to be an item months from now that you're going to go, why did I do that? And it's hard for you to understand that at this point, it's hard to get out of the feeling, but like the quicker, I'm not saying go on Tinder today. I'm not saying like, fuck the world today. I'm just saying you have to extract yourself from this because eventually you'll get over it. Yeah. Get out, maybe get a gold chain. Gold chain. That takes you. So I think yeah. Kyle's suggestion of hooking up with her mom seems to be off the table too. She, she doesn't. Like I don't it. remember saying that. I think you guys <laughs> got that somehow. I said move a guy in who would make the mom uncomfortable. Moving a guy who's like down to sleep on the couch and uh, you know be gross and just be like, wait till she's like, I can't do this. Okay, let's do a little lighter one here. Facebook Marketplace blunder. Greetings, gentlemen. I'm in the process of selling my house and decided to offload 300 bricks that I had in my garage to avoid moving them. I think that sounds like a great idea instead of moving 300 bricks to the next place. I listed them on Marketplace and instantly had multiple offers. Ultimately, I sold them for $50 to a guy who lives 35 minutes from me. He showed up in a minivan and began helping him load the bricks. It became evident during the loading process that this minivan might not be up for the challenge. His back bumper <laughs> grew closer and closer to my driveway. As we were wrapping up, I felt a pit in my stomach. There's no way this guy was going to make it home. I asked him if he'd prefer to make two trips, but he declined. He said, I'll be good, bro. Don't worry about me. Here's my question. <laughs> Did I do a bad thing? Should have I <laughs> should I have insisted on him making two trips? Should I have followed him home to make sure he was safe? I attached some pictures and a video showing this guy leaving my house. All right. First for the audience, 
these bricks are terrific. Uh, really nice patio bricks. <laughs> probably not here. even outside, right? They're probably inside a garage or something. Yeah. Stored dry, around. dry, cool area here. This is a nice set of patio bricks. And that's why you had multiple offers at 50 bucks. Um, as somebody who's been known to have to just haul shit, especially when your dad is like, don't worry about it. The number of don't worry about it that I've had in my life as a kid, like we had pressure treated like two by sixes out the back of our F-150. And he actually would have me sit on the ends of them in the truck bed if it felt like they were a little loose. Yes, that feels wow. like medieval warfare, but, you know, we'd put a spare tire on it. I'd sit on the spare tire and then, you know, we didn't even afford, he didn't, couldn't even afford the slider on the back. That was back in the day when the slider was like a big upgrade. And he'd just go like, are you good back there, Rye? And I'd be like, yeah, no problem. Hanging on. Fine. <laughs> as, as the two by sixes are flopping all over the place from the lumber yard to the job site. So people, a guy that is willing to drive a minivan to your place to load up 300 patio bricks and know that he scored it for 50 bucks. And I'm not saying you, you underpriced it. You did as you got the multiple offers, but like you avoided this headache. This guy's been loading shit and moving stuff around for a good chunk of his life. So yeah, I'm sure it looked really dangerous. Um, and apparently there's another email following up to his own email saying he followed up with the brick guy and the brick guy, he was like, Hey, did you make it home? And the guy never got back in touch with him. So now he's even more concerned <laughs> oh, with it. Man. He said he started looking up traffic incidents between his point <laughs> and where that guy was coming from. I think you're worrying about it way too much. Guys that buy used bricks know the game and their, their risk aversion, like they will put anything in anything just <laughs> to make it work. Right. Yeah, yeah. They, they'll do whatever it takes to do the job in one trip. These guys don't know about second trips. They don't, to them, that is like, I'll retire from the game of hauling shit especially you shit if I have to do it a second time. One trip is happy hour yeah, for this shit. Are you right. kidding me? <laughs> one trip is everything. Their whole life revolves around their mission statement would be I can do it in one trip <laughs> no matter what it is. So don't feel guilty. He may have fucked his van up. The van's probably already fucked up. Um, I was going to say it has to be like a it, I could just picture like a 2004 Chrysler town and country. The thing is just seen, seen Astro. Some shit and like it's it's I'm not worried about bricks in that van. <laughs> We got a good six months out of this thing, and uh, and then we'll figure it out. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't tell anybody who you're selling something to. Any, I wouldn't like make a a statement like I'm not giving you. I'm only giving you half of these bricks. I wouldn't do that. Yeah, you need the whole to anything I'm selling to anything I'm selling. Selling you stuff online, man. Ugh. It is. It is. Uh, you're already rolling the dice. Uh, you know that that might just set the guy like, who are you to tell me? I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. Right. He may have come back. Looked around to see if there was any more bricks. <laughs> yeah, you might so, like check out your garage. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Just poke around. I, I sold some monster sale, tires, guys. and the guy like used monster tires without the rims. And I, I think did a thing on the line. And this is like I was twenty one or twenty two, and the people that showed up to buy those used tires and the shit that they were trying to pull, like. You know, I was like, look, it's firm. Here's the price. It's a good price. They were bald as hell. I don't even know if they're going to pass inspection anymore. But I, again, these are like, you know, expensive RC car type tires for like a real truck. 
So to get four of those at like 50 bucks is still a decent deal because I don't know what the hell a guy was going to do with it. I mean, half the towns of Vermont, and it, man, I don't even know how often those cars are even street legal to begin with. But uh, what, that was my first experience with it where I was like, whoa, because you had to be wired a certain way to be like, wait, four heavily used monster truck tires for sale for 50 bucks. Let's get over we there. Gotta, wait, we got to get to his house right now. Yeah. <laughs> we, have, roommate, we don't have time. <laughs> right. My roommates are like, wait, what's the deal? And of course, like, you know, you live with, you live with whether well, six of us, there's going to be some guys that completely understood it. And then there's going to be some other uptight dude, usually you for your county. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we're just going to have strangers show up to McDonald's, our house. Dude. Yeah. Go tires. I'm like, dude, what do you think is going to happen? You think we're going to get robbed? Like, we're not getting fucking robbed. Maybe the tires later. are out front. <laughs> yeah, maybe later, but um, you're not going to want to rob anything from that house. When I was, uh, when I was between jobs, uh, after I left ESPN and then the thing with Scal and whatever didn't work out, I had like a summer where I just, you know, I just didn't have a lot going on. So my dad was like, why don't you just like put a, put a patio on the back? I got all these bricks and like the, he kept the bricks from their old patio and whatever. So I was like, all right, cool. Like, I'll pick them up. And I was like, yeah, I'll just bring my Jeep. It's fine. And my dad, my dad is a plumbing, heat, and air conditioning guy, like knows his shit. But he's also has access to all these trucks. And I was like, yeah, I'll just bring my Jeep over to be fine. He's like, no, like idiot. Like in, we're, we're getting the rack body truck. So we got this like huge, huge rack body truck just to, I mean, it's only probably 12 by 10. It's not even that big. Uh, probably can't. I don't know if that fit in a minivan or not, but he was when I, the notion of me putting that in my actual car, he was like, you're an idiot. That's not what we're going to do. So I don't know. Maybe this guy's just built different, but he definitely fucked his car up. Sounds like we got a little one trip Steve here. <laughs> yeah, like I, at least I, I moved myself out of college with that rack body truck. I'm not afraid to, to, you know, to load some stuff up. But I just figured I didn't think it was going to be that big of a deal. I'm like, yeah, it's a Jeep. Like I just pavers, whatever. It's fine. And it was apparently a very stupid decision by, by me. Okay, there you go. We covered a lot: bricks, relationships, and yoga. That's uh, life advice again. Life advice rr gmail Thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. Next week live show. Gramercy Theater, New York City. So I think we're still a little like on the fence about what we're going to do because then on Thursday, we're going to be doing like three or four different draft pods pre, during, post. So that means I'm not, we're definitely not going to have a Thursday episode, but we're going to figure out how we're going to like do the Tuesday thing uh, with a very, very special guest for the live show. Uh, And I promise the live show episodes, you know, normally, you know, they're not everybody's favorite, but we're going to do. We're going to do something that will make it worth it. So there you go. All right. Please subscribe. Ryan Russell Podcast for your Spotify.